Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about inflation, CPI data, the Fed, purchase apps, and inventory. First, here's a word from our sponsor. This is Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HW Media, talking with Matt Dowd, Vice President of Product Management at Ice Mortgage Technology, about mortgage automation. Matt, what are the keys to success for lenders to adopt this type of automation? I wish there was one simple answer, but if I'm going to break it down, I think there's three things lenders need to be uh, aware of. Having a defined set of goals up front, having the entire company behind the initiative, as well as having change management and continuous improvement. The message has to come from the top and it has to be crystal clear about the measurements and the KPIs you're looking to improve upon. The second, you have to have the entire company behind you. This is well beyond just an underwriter and a processor. You need to have good data going in to have good data coming out. And then finally, change management and continuous improvement. This isn't an easy button solution, so you need to continue to work with your processors and underwriters and figure out what's working, what's not working, and change and adapt while continuing to educate. Great points. And listeners, you can find out more at icemortgagetechnology.com. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. It is wonderful to be here with my fellow Gen Xers. (laughs) Oh, trying to make up for last week when you called me a baby boomer. I get it. I yeah, would I, I, I got I got some heat from that from uh, some of our followers. So <laughs> I just want to always say hey, we are fellow fellow Gen Xers. So <laughs> okay, well I'll take it. That's good. We have so much to talk about today. Let's start with CPI inflation data, which we got. We're uh, recording this on Wednesday, so we just got it this morning. What did that show us? So the headline inflationary data was lower than uh, forecast and uh, noticeably lower than some of the more aggressive inflation people's forecasts. And the bond market really didn't do anything. Um, And we are about to do our one-year tour of shelter inflation coming back down to reality. So it's about the next 12 months that that data line is going to show some uh, the softness that we see in the real-time data. But one of the things that you know I, I, I wrote about is we, we have to start focusing on what the Fed wants, right? The Federal Reserve has always talked about you know a job loss recession. They forecast a recession by telling us the unemployment rate is going to be higher. It's not because we're going to have a mass influx of new workers above the uh, what we have. So uh, wage growth slowing down and jobless claims going up. The Fed has told us this. They said they wanted a recession. They wanted a job loss recession. They go around saying different things at times. But if people were confused about how the bond market reacted to the lower inflation data, you know, just just go back to uh, what what we were talking about during the banking crisis. You know, people are saying, "Oh, the Fed can't hike anymore." Anything? They're already talking about hiking again, right? Uh, and uh, uh, it's it's interesting now that they're even saying, well, we understand there's a 12 to eight month, okay, 12 to 18 month lag. We don't see a recession, but we're forecasting one to this year. Okay, 
you want to know why people think there's something wrong here? You you cannot live in the world today and say there's going to be an 18 month lag in the Fed rate hikes. Um, we don't see a recession, but our forecast is for a job loss recession this year. But we need more rate hikes because we're worried about the 1970s, even though. Wage growth is slowing down, even though shelter inflation is not booming anymore. So you can't have the 70s without rent inflation. We don't care. We want a job loss recession. So uh, I know some people criticize me by, by by me attacking the Fed, but this is what they're telling you. You can just go back and look at their quotes, look at their forecasts. All I'm doing is regurgitating their talking points, nothing else. So uh, if, if, if you're slightly confused that the bond market didn't go lower, the 2023 forecast range is is still in there, and you know the the drop for me was not so much on inflation falling. Everybody kind of knows inflation should be falling over time, but the the jobs data is what they really care about because they truly believe that if they can get a job loss recessions, wage growth will slow down, more people will be unemployed, the supply of labor will be higher, and you know it wage growth won't filter into prices. And the the fear of the wages spiraling out of control, like some people talk about, even though wage growth has been cooling for 15 months, uh, they feel more comfortable doing that. Okay. And actually, Mary C. Daly, who you have talked about on this podcast and called out because Silicon Valley Bank is in her district, right? She's a Fed member. What did she have to say today? Well, I just saw one quote come back and she said, there's going to be no recession this year. Do you know why, Mary? Because your district got bailed out, that's why. Even though Mester says we didn't, you know, we didn't have anything to do with this rate hikes. No, uh, uh, we didn't break anything. Uh, I mean, there's a part of me that, you know, would would love to see an alternative universe where Mary C. Daly has to try to pick up the pieces of a entire district having a spike in unemployment because the banks, you know, had a run, but. That didn't happen. So, you know, again, we have very contradictive statements by the Federal Reserve. Some of it I know is trying to talk tough, but uh, that was on her watch, right? Any one of us would have been fired. We would have been fired, but they have some protective shield around them that they have to really do something bad like illegal stock trading or something like that before they are forced to resign or choose to resign after that. But, uh, you know, she's someone that, you know, I hopefully in the future, we could look for uh, better people to uh, fill that spot in the San Francisco Fed. So if I, you know, I'm out here in uh, mortgage land, I'm a real estate agent, loan officer, and I'm trying to figure out what does this mean for rates? What does this mean for rates? Oh, that Fed talking about this stuff. Yesterday, Wednesday morning, pricing got a little bit better. We had back-to-back days of terrible pricing uh, in the in, in the mortgage market, so we we improved a little bit just from there. But to me, you know, I, I know a lot of people. A lot of the questions I get is, when will the mortgage back the spreads between the thirty-year mortgage and the ten-year yield get better? Now, historically speaking, they get really bad during a recession for a very short amount of time. Then they come back. They've been really bad for a while now. Uh, um, so, you know, I always say the, when the fed cries uncle, you know, they can, they can do that. Uh, uh, you know, the, the, the spreads can get better. Uh, and again, the federal reserve, if they wanted to, they can fix this problem, but they don't want to. Right. In fact, one of the fed statements this week is funny. 
because they said, look, our Fed rate hikes are working. Home prices are down, right? That's not part of inflation. That is not how CPI inflation is tracked or PCE inflation. Uh, the fact that you had a Fed governor say this is, no, if you're targeting inflation, if you're telling us you're targeting inflation for wages, why are you talking about home prices? It's not part of the CPI component or the PCE. There is a part of me that starts to say, we need to like, you know, have a cognitive test on some of these people because you, there are certain things we know about how we track inflation. That's not part of the index. Shelter inflation is rent. This is why one of the things I try to stress over the last few months, during the housing bubble years, inflation was very tame. It's because wage growth was tame and shelter inflation rent was tame. So that's why you could have massive home price growth and credit growth and not have inflation break out. Um, Some of the things I wrote in the article, those charts really show that to be the case. So I, I, I think they're in the completely I don't know phase at this moment, because their original plan, which I agree with, which I'm not a Fed pivot person, I even, I even, you know, stuck with them on this one. Three, six, 12 month core PCE, their own forecast is it coming lower by the end of the year. And they're still talking about aggressive rate hikes at this stage, even though they say there's a 12 to 18 month lag, there's no recession, but we're forecasting a recession. Okay. This is Muppet land. Right. This is this is no longer, you know, uh, a, a normal TV anymore. We are literally going back to the 70s, 80s Muppet show. So um, find something and stick with it. And this is my thing. Endure. Show responsibility. Show some toughness. Take a stand on something, but don't have six different people say six different things and it gets even more confusing. Okay. So you used to be a loan officer. Your dad is still a loan officer. You have, you know, family in the business. If they're like what what should I expect this in the next couple of weeks? Like with the Fed saying this, what does this mean for me? Jobless claims. Track jobless claims. If jobless claims start to get weaker, the bond market, the short-term bond market has already gotten ahead of the Fed on this. Um, the long-term, you know, 10-year, you know, a lot of people were forecasting much higher 10-year yields. The 10-year yield looks about right to me, but to me, it was always about jobs. We all know the growth rate of inflation is falling, right? Anybody, anybody, even the Federal Reserve, we, we all know this to be the case. It is systematically impossible to have 70s inflation when shelter inflation is about to have a 12-month deceleration. It's never happened since the Peloponnesian War. But here, to me, it was always about we have to break the labor market because wage growth spiraling out of control. Oh, wait, that's not happening. Um <laughs> Uh, we, 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 entrenched inflation, because if we have entrenched inflation, we might have to hike rates higher because the 1970s playbook that we took out, that's what it says. It's not happening. So it's confusing. I get it. I totally get what people are are saying. One day you hear one thing, another day you hear another, another day, the banking situation is great. Oh, by the way, we had to bail out this person. So now the question is going forward, what do we see? Janet Yellen said, there is no tightening of credit uh, due to the banking crisis. The small index, uh, the small business index uh, came out and they have a credit tightening chart. And that data line looks like it's heading toward 2008 levels because credit is getting really tight. So I, it, it, I, if you're a loan officer, if you're in real estate and you actually track this stuff, it is confusing. It, they, are, they are saying things, you know, this is like an airplane skit or something. You know, one person says this person, this says that, that person, and they're all over the place. Why? Because 
they hiked rates so much so fast. They broke something. They don't know what to do next. And they're afraid of something else breaking. So they're not quite sure of what to say. Um, and this is why it's very confusing. And I and I get it. I get it. If you look at the news wires, you hear this person say that, that person say this, and there are, you know. So the original plan I thought was very acceptable, and they changed it for some reason because they panicked. And because when you panic, you start saying things you don't really believe in because you're not sure of yourself. And when you're not sure of yourself, you start to sound confused, Sarah. That's what I see. I see a group of people that are confused. Um, And we just have to uh, uh, take the data, uh, the labor data, uh, uh, one week at a time and one month at a time with the monthly reports and just go from there. So... I, it's not surprising why it's confusing at all. So in your opinion, because you've talked about, you know, how rates could go higher, how rates could go lower with different things. Right now, you feel like we're sort of in this pattern, you know, we're in the mid sixes, that's where it's going to be. Yes. And, you know, the, the 10-year yield, the Gandalf line broke and we kind of, uh, you know, uh, you know, the kind of 3.37 to 3.42, you know, we've been trying to bounce through that so much. We broke through it and then we just retraced back up there. Uh, as I'm talking right now, I think it was like 3.43%. But um, uh, I, I think the bond market is just waiting for the labor market to break to take long-term yields lower. The short-term yields have already given up. They said, okay, you're cutting rates by the end of the year. So uh, the, some of the Fed members like, I don't, I think the bond market is too optimistic about inflation. Okay. So again, they're forecasting a recession this year. They're telling you, we want the labor market to break so we could, you know, break inflation. Inflation is already cooling down. So don't forecast a recession. Just say unemployment rates are going to be below 4%. Stop doing the 4.5% forecast. Then you sound at least somewhat cognitive. So it's confusing in that light. But yeah, mortgage rates between 6 and 7%, that range. You know, the whole 2023 forecast was between 5.75 to 7 and a quarter. We're still in there. Um, the labor market hasn't broken, which claims are rising, but uh, hasn't broken to the Fed pivot level. And what I mean Fed pivot level is that even the Federal Reserve, how confusing they sound, when jobless claims get above 323,000 on the four-week moving average, even they, I don't know now because they're saying some crazy stuff, even they would have to change the language. This is not rate cuts, but change the language of wage growth is already falling while jobs are being lost. Okay, we don't have to worry about that anymore. Um, That's what I'm setting this all up for going back to last year, finding that when would they pivot stage and and what are they really looking for? And, you know, that's, you know, when I went on CNBC two weeks ago, that's what I said. I said, the Fed is not going to be satisfied until you lose your job. And guess what? They're staying consistent with that. Um, I just think some people just didn't believe them. And uh, for all those people that criticized me, they said, no, the Fed doesn't want to really stop forecasting four and a half percent unemployment rates. All right. As soon as you stop forecasting, I'll believe you. But they keep on forecasting higher unemployment rates, and I'm just going to go with that. Hi, this is Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief of HW Media, and I'm talking to Ed Messman, CEO at Rook Capital, about their Shared Value Investment Program. Ed, how does Shared Value Equity Financing work within the mortgage ecosystem? Yeah, it's a completely complimentary offering. Um, you can almost view shared equity as an extension of the homebuyer's down payment provided by a community of partners, but it pairs perfectly with traditional mortgage products offered by banks, credit unions, and IMBs. 
and it allows them to get creative in how they provide solutions to their customers. Thanks, Ed. And listeners, you can find out more at rook.capital. Well, let's uh, pivot now to the housing market tracker, which is our weekly look at purchase apps, inventory, and mortgage rates, which we just covered the mortgage rates and 10-year yield part of that. But lots to talk about about inventory. We have been looking for a month at least. Have we reached the bottom? Tell me what you see. You know, there a lot, lot of the data this year is starting to look um, like 2021. And, you know, in 2021, what happened was inventory bottomed out in April. That's historically abnormal. Doesn't usually do that. Doesn't take that long. But at the end of 2020, what happened is that the makeup demand from COVID pushed forward app purchase application data to have an increase toward the end. And we're just peeling off some of these homes that's keeping the active listings down. Uh, new listings data, of course, is trending at all-time lows. Uh, it isn't too big difference from 2021 to 2022, but it is lower. Uh, new listings data, the, the best thing I saw this last week is it started to regain its seasonal push. Uh, there was like a week there where it just collapsed, and I'm like, the very last thing I wanted to see is new listings data starts to decline in, you know, going into the spring. That's like, no, that's like a nuclear bomb. You don't want that to happen. So that was just weekly noise. That could have been part of the, you know, six to 7% mortgage rate uh, drive. But uh, new listings data, the seasonal growth is happening, still at all time lows, but that's a positive. If that occurs, you know, April could be the bottom of seasonal inventory. And then we see that uh, spring inventory crease, which should help with supply, more choice. Again, I'm such a pro supply person. More choice is better for everyone, right? Less choice is bad. But less bidding wars uh, is a good thing. It's it's a bad thing when we, we have too many bidding wars. So um, I'm hoping that's the case. And, you know, the, the month of April is always critical for me because uh, purchase application data, which today came out positive 8%. Week to week. So now that, you know, we do the tracker, we we want to teach people economics. So what happened is November 9th, when rates started to go lower, the purchase application data got better. A lot of people ignored it. Then going into 2023, what happened is now we have eight positive prints and five negative prints. We had three really bad negative prints when rates spiked up 1%. But after that, five of the last six data lines have, have improved. Okay, which what traditionally happens is that demand is stable and rising in the sense. Now, we had a very big, strong month-to-month report, one of the biggest month-to-month reports ever recorded in U.S. history. That's because it was a very low bar. We had like 12 weeks of positive data, and it got put into all in one month. So take that monthly report with somewhat of a grain of salt, and we're just trying to work from a level out there and, and take it. And this index is very, very wild now. Uh, whenever mortgage rates uh, mortgage rates went up this last week, so in theory the next week should be negative. But uh, it's positive in the sense that rates in the low to mid sixes is stabilizing the demand. Imagine if the spreads were normal and rates were at five and a quarter. Oh my God, the Fed would lose it. Sarah Wheeler, do you know what that means? That means people are buying homes, having sex, having kids, and they can't have that. You have to stop living for us, right? You know, so uh, I, I do expect if that if that occurred, the Fed might completely freak out uh, uh, that uh, uh, people, you know, 
living their normal lives is a bad thing. So, and you remember, housing inflation, home prices has nothing to do with this. This is actually the question on CNBC when when the anchor asked me, is that good for the Fed? I said, I don't know how that's good. The home prices don't go into the CPI or PCE component. You know, so if you're telling us, if the Federal Reserve should just tell us we have a third mandate and that's targeting home housing. Okay, if that's the housing reset, let us know. Then we'll just ignore all your other crazy stuff and then put that into the equation. But you haven't done that. So when you tell me that home prices going uh, down year over year is is good for, that's not part of the index, right? That's not the service inflation X shelter that the Federal Reserve is telling us they're looking at. So they're confused, Sarah. They're absolutely, you know, the high school basketball coach of me would round them all up and just look at everything when I start talking normal, right? Make Come them on. do sprints. Make what them do doing? those things where you have to go down and touch the line. Yeah, we're, do, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make Powell and Kashkari and oh, I'm gonna make Bullard do like ten suicides, you know. So, so you know, it it, it is interesting. That I, hopefully, my work is try to uh, uh, give some knowledge on the CPI components and. Uh, the the constant question I now I get is that now that home prices are firming up is that bad for the Fed? Well, it shouldn't be. It's not part of the uh, uh, component out there. So uh, it's you know again we're, we're we're at this stage where they kind of just held their nose and just hiked rates super fast and they they've made comments before by saying well I wonder how the market's going to take this super fast rate hikes and quantitative tightening. You had a banking crisis. Answer the question. Okay. So now we're going into the next stage of what's going to happen with credit growth and credit tightening. So credit tightening now is very, very critical. And so we, we want to track all the kind of uh, 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 credit tightening in all the indexes we possibly have and then take it from there. Because historically now, this happens really at the very last stage uh, of every expansion. Credit tightens, uh, credit growth comes down. Companies can't hire more. They need to lay people off as demand falls. We're at that stage of watching. And again, if you listen to the Federal Reserve, this is what they want. So some people shouldn't be surprised about this. Okay. So we had purchase apps go up, right? We had a a better week. Was that because we saw that uh, rates go down a little bit? So this index usually isn't this volatile week to week. But I think when you had when you had a historic waterfall dive in the data, uh, like we did in 2020, I still think you know people don't appreciate how much sales collapsed last year. Like that was that was a I mean that was a once in a lifetime event. I mean you know we could understand what happened during COVID. Nobody did anything, but that wasn't a COVID. That was a authentic collapse in demand. Um, so whenever you deal with high velocity data, we've talked about this for some time, Sarah. Uh, high velocity data is very tricky because you can get these really extreme week to week moves that you don't traditionally see uh, in the previous expansion. So, whenever rates rise during the week, the data turns bad. Whenever it falls, it turns good. Just because you're using a very low bar and it, you know it, just a little movement could move the the needle more. So, so some people would call that. Uh- Pertinent to the mortgage rate lockdown discussion. Just that saying. has that has absolutely nothing to do with the mortgage rate lock discussion. By the way, I am you know when we go to the gathering of eagles, you know, and I'm presenting on screen. I am going to while you are there with me presenting. You know, you're going to do a Q and A. I am going to expose the mortgage rate lockdown with this 
really awesome presentation. Now, I don't have my chalkboard, of course, but I'm on a giant screen. I'm going to do what I do best. Like 23 years of my work is going to be all shown in that and why I can actually prove to people that the mortgage rate lockdown is not what people think it is. Well, you know what? I will be there for that, and we will <laughs> we will judge that after the fact. And just so people know, the Gathering of Eagles, uh, June 18th through 21st, it's in Austin, Texas this year. Logan is one of our uh, featured speakers. It's going to be amazing. We have a lot of other great people, too. Yes, it'll be fun. But yes, the the index itself is just very volatile. But I think what I try to stress, duration, long-term trends, housing is stabilized. Got a little bit of growth. That's it, right? You know, there's this argument that we have on Twitter with other financial people: is housing is the housing recession over? Well, doesn't feel like it, right? And so everyone has to have their own model to what they believe uh, 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 housing uh, the recession going to an expansion is, and it's not here. Traditionally, what you see in a uh, housing recovery is housing permits rise. Permits are still falling. Uh, monthly supply for new homes is below six and a half months. So the builders actually then start issuing because mortgage uh, mortgage debt grows because sales are growing both for new homes and existing homes. We're not there yet. We're, we're definitely stabilized the market since November 9th. That is for sure that we see that in the data. Uh, the builder stocks are at like 52 week highs, you know, so but it's different on the economic sense. Um, uh, and again, the, the housing economics recession expansion has nothing to do with home prices, right? A lot of people, you know, uh, uh, still make everything about home prices. No, housing went into recession because production fell, demand fell, jobs fell, incomes falls. Imagine that happening in the US. That's a recession, right? People losing jobs, their incomes fall, production of cars or housing, whatever, stops because demand... That's a recession. We're we're still in that phase. The recovery looks uh, like it does in every single uh, uh, recovery stage. Permits start to grow. Home sales start to grow. Uh, uh, demand picks up. Uh, the builder's confidence starts to rise more noticeably. All of those work together. We're a little bit, you know, the, the data is a bit funky because housing uh, completions are still rising because of the delay. Uh, and so I, I, I caution everybody, including my stock trader friends, be a little bit mindful of that, that the completions are still rising. Historically, completions would be falling with permits, and there's going to be some lag in the uh, builder's confidence data onto when permits actually start to rise. So, uh, of course, COVID-19 has ruined everything, like for how we traditionally look at economic cycles. So you gotta you got to kind of think for yourself and put new variables into uh, a sector that's dealing with extreme high-velocity data up and down. So let's talk about the, um, you mentioned the larger economy, right? You had your six re- recession red flags raised. That's not for housing. You put housing in a, in a recession. In housing June, went into recession right? June 16th, 5.01 PM. That's right. It, really it was, it, we have it to the minute, but you did raise your six recession red flags for the larger economy. Now you have Fed members saying, we're going to go into a recession. We're, we're forecasting it. We're not. Where do you, what are you looking at to see if we're going to, if that's going to happen? So all my work is still based on primarily talking about economic cycles, expansions, and recessions. So when the sixth recession red flag is up, what we do is focus on jobless claims. And then how when will people start losing their jobs in bigger numbers is when demand starts fall. What does demand really look? Credit, right? We're a consumer-based economy, credit growth. So if credit is tightening, 
that's a problem for the economy, right? That's why, you know, these tightening surveys start to get um, 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 more aggressive to the negative side uh, late in expansion. So that's what I'm looking for at this stage. Again, I did not have my six recession red flags up in the previous expansion. It was the longest economic and job expansion ever in history. If it wasn't for COVID, we'd still be in an expansion. But at the last time I, I had them all up was late 2006. The recession didn't happen to 2008. And we actually had some noticeable credit stress back then in 2006. So uh, keep an eye on claims, keep an eye on credit. And the fact that the uh, small business uh, credit tightening index is is the lowest it's been heading toward 2008, uh, that's, that's credit stress, right? Uh, small businesses having... Uh, uh, issues getting credit. And then you think about the companies that need to establish new credit for growth. Those things go away. If con- retail sales is coming up on Friday, n- another key data line, really the, cons- the US labor market and consumers holding everything up right now. And since we're the biggest economy in the world, and of course, if anybody listens to this, please do not listen to Glenn Beck. I am just like, I just, it's, I, somebody sent quite, me. The, you had quite the week with Glenn. Oh Beck. my God. The US dollar collapsing. I mean, I, it just, it pains me to think, I'm, I'm sorry to say this. It pains me to think people are this dumb that, that they would follow somebody that said, oh, by the way, we're going to become Venezuela overnight. I don't know when, but the dollar is going to collapse and we'll be Venezuela. We are the biggest economy in the world. We have the biggest military. We have the biggest consumer wealthy base. Our markets are much better than everyone else. We are not going to become Venezuela overnight. You have to be an extreme fanatic to believe that. And that's what Glenn Beck is. He is an extreme fanatic. The US dollar isn't collapsing, right? Why? Because Glenn Beck still lives here. If he does, he'd leave, (laughs) right? Everyone would leave. They would just take their families and go to Mexico or Canada or whatever because, oh my God, the US is going to (sighs) collapse. Sarah. These people are so soft. Seriously, come on. So yeah, so we're not going to have the dollar collapse in in that sense, but credit growth matters, right? So uh, keep an eye on that credit tightening data. Keep an eye on retail sales. This is this is what we do at the late stages. Uh, jobless claims have been rising. The new seasonal adjustments that they made. So we, those those things you want to focus now because again, Federal Reserve has told us. They're forecasting a recession. The two-year yield is saying, you need to cut rates. The Federal Reserve says, no, we don't. We want this. So we're in this really strange period that the Fed is talking about a recession and they're not really caring about it either. And we're not used to that in a sense because it's been so long since we've had to deal with inflation, right? The 21st century, inflation was very tame. If you look at those uh, uh, inflation charts, we never had breakaway inflation. Now we're dealing with it. So different kind of a different kind of cycle. Each cycle is very unique. This is ours now. And uh, we have to deal with this type of Federal Reserve than before. We really do. Well, Logan, thanks for being on. Thanks for giving us your insight and walking us through this crazy time with the Fed. And we will talk to you again soon. Thank you. See you soon, Sarah.
We have a Slack channel at HW that publishes all the new registered users for our HW events, like the Gathering of Eagles coming up in June and Housing Wire Annual coming up in October. I was just scrolling through the Gathering of Eagles feed on Slack, and wow, I am blown away with the quality of the attendees. Leaders from Keller Williams, Better Homes and Gardens, EXP, Compass, Hannah Holdings, Remax, and Home Services and incredible ecosystem partners like Zillow, Austin Board of Realtors, New Western Acquisitions, UWM and Bright MLS, just to name a few. If you aren't familiar with GOE, this is our real estate brokerage event for the most elite brokers, teams, MLS execs, and state and local association of realtors leaders. June 18th through 21st in Austin, Texas at the amazing Omni Barton Creek Resort. Visit the events tab on realtrends.com or housingwire.com to register. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.